Hi guys, I'm Dr. Rochelle Haynes and thank you for joining our brand new podcast, Remotely Speaking. This podcast is where we sound off on all things remote work. I'm especially passionate about two things, having a good work experience and traveling the world. So join myself and our experts as we talk about how we can work better remotely, how your business can better enhance remote working, and how countries can better attract digital nomads. To find out more about our podcast, follow us on Instagram at Remotely Speaking Up. Stay tuned for more. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Remotely Speaking Up. So from this episode, this is episode six, and from here we're looking at how we can enable countries to work remotely and enhance and attract remote working as well. So we're joined today by Jeremy Stevens, economist in Barbados, who's gonna tell us more about remote working within the Caribbean context. Jeremy, thank you for joining our show, and tell us a bit about yourself before we begin. A uh, pleasure to be here. Finally, and yes. after the technical, yes. technical issues, <laughs> after the so technical well. issues as well. Yeah. Uh, right. So I'm an economist, but more so a financial analyst kind of tech guy. Yeah. I, 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 I straddle a good few things, but um, and I really don't claim to be any. But most of my work in economics is known, at least in the Eastern Caribbean. Yeah. And my focal areas traditionally are in agriculture in. Mm. Well, no, in agriculture, I would say more so. I've, I've actually added that no to the agenda, but um, cryptocurrencies yeah. and, and, and mm. blockchain tech, yeah. that, that's the major focus, digital technologies, uh, data analytics, finance, mm. wow. and to a lesser extent, logistics as well. Okay. So those are those what I would figure are my core competencies right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, so luckily... I've been able to explore that even after leaving the university very recently. So this is a very new yeah. to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, that's a very long shopping list there. I, I'll try to remember as much as possible, but that's a, that's a very wide area of expertise, which is going to benefit us a lot. Um, so, of course, you know, within the Caribbean context, there has been this new interest into remote working. This is something that wasn't quite seen as the norm within Barbados. It happened, of course, we had persons working remotely, but in terms of the average organization, remote working was was not the norm. So now we're forced into this context and also being a tourism dependent country, we've been hit very hardly um, by the COVID pandemic, which has completely halted that industry. And with that has come a lot of creative measures to attract um, persons to Barbados as well, including the welcome stamp. So I just wanted to get your opinion as well with regards to um, the introduction of that welcome stamp and what do you think is the potential for Barbados to attract remote workers? Well, the, the welcome stamp takes advantage of a few mm. peculiar characteristics that we do have, being yeah. a world-renowned tourism destination compared to our Eastern Caribbean neighbors in the least having good infrastructure. The fact that we're English speaking nation as mm. well too. And you know how the Barbados authorities, the tourism authorities and the investment uh, marketing authorities, how they push us as being highly educated, political, stable political democracy and whatnot. Yeah. And so we, you know, it was just a natural progression as far as I'm concerned. Mm. I was wondering why we were taking so long and I was elated mm. to hear that um, within the EU there, Estonia 
was yeah. actually pushing a similar model way before we were. Yeah. And they would have had even so the digital resident uh, yeah. for some years as well, to which I thought was innovative, which I thought would have actually, if certain business persons were smart, would have utilized Estonia as some form of a base, yeah. at least being able to have a good bank account, not having to worry about taxes, and even so with respect to governance, it's more seamless. And unfortunately, with respect to Barbados, that's the standard bearer that you have to look at. I go to Estonia, I don't have to worry about taxes per se or filing because, mm. well, the authorities there know what you make. It's in the bank. It's yeah. mostly a cashless society. It's highly technologically driven. So there's little to any human interaction for anything you would figure. Yeah. So as far as I was concerned, you know, uh, we where we stand right now is it's a good attempt. Our neighbors are beginning to piggyback on the mm -hmm. initiative. I must thank Peter Lawrence for really pushing this initiative as well, too. Mm -hmm. uh, he would say, I, even myself, I didn't even think about it as any meaningful thing, to be honest. I, I would have seen or thought about what Estonia did, but I didn't think there would be the will mm -hmm. to do it as it has been done here. But we've got issues. Mm -hmm. We've got certain issues that if we were to be compared to Estonia, which is not a tourism destination, mm. so it might be lacking the welcome part of the welcome stamp, if we can call it that. But then, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the ease of doing business in Estonia mm. highly, highly, highly outpaces our, our ability at this point. Yeah. Very, you, you mentioned an example which I always admire. I've, I've known of Estonia and their digital economy for some time and I've admired them to the point where I've applied to, um, I've also applied for the digital citizenship, um, the e-citizenship a while ago. It's, it's very innovative and I remember there was a lecture at the University of the West Indies. So was, in, in what you're saying in terms of Barbados' capability and, and the interest now in the area, I, I heard a lecture from the University of the West Indies a few years ago using Estonia, the former Prime Minister of Estonia, using them as a best practice example. And I was surprised since then that a lot of those um, initiatives weren't adopted as yet. But I, I admire the context from the time you're born, as soon as a, a child is born in Estonia, birth certificate, everything, registry, already set, benefits, already set. It's, it's really an admirable model. Um, do you think that Barbados could ever get to that level, um, given the current, um, let's say, infrastructure, the current um, situation or policies, whatever the case might be? What are the barriers to getting there? It all comes down to political will. I, I, I don't know how, <laughs> how much better I can state that. It, it really comes down to having the political will to act. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, if we were to reform our political or our governance structures, then yes, this would just be an easy um, move. It would be an easy progression towards this. We've got the skills base here. There are lots of programmers. Even myself, although it may take me way longer to do it than some of the guys here, I could do it. And there are many lecturers across different disciplines at the University of the West Indies that I know for certain can do this. But at the end of the day, we've got to look at changing of our governance model also bearing very heavy emphasis on cyber security mm. this is something a colleague of mine Niall Harper I'm sure you know who Niall is yeah about, and he, he was the one that really put it into my head the fact that we never really legislated it we began very early in this recent government's term mm. to think about it there was a new ministry created to think about smart technologies but then this was put aside and, you know, they are focusing on other things that is making it seamless, so like easy pay, for instance. Now, 
allows you to pay for licenses online as of I think yesterday. Yeah. You know, and 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 that is a benefit knowing how the machine is always down at the licensing authority not to put my country on blast. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, we're now making these moves, but we're not looking at the key structural issues. How do we provide that assurance to an investor, to me as an entrepreneur, for example, that should my data be compromised in some form, that I have the grounds on which I can act against the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. And, and that fundamental issue, the fact that we don't really view, in my view, mm-hmm. data as intellectual property. Yeah. Um, as a, and that's not, well, some say it's legislated, but to me it's not legislated strong enough. Mm-hmm. Um, intellectual properties looked at more the creative side with respect to music and, and literary arts and mm-hmm. works. So it doesn't really translate into data stored on a server mm. in, in, let's say, in a, uh, not in a clean form. It's a dirty data. It, it, that's intellectual property still, right? Yeah. So the fact that that isn't secure, that isn't necessarily legislated in a strong manner, my view is that we um, should believe that we could move only when we treat to structural issues. I, I, as it stands now, yes, tomorrow if we had will, yeah, yeah, I, I, just as fast as we got this welcome stamp up there and probably have we have the best, well, not the best, but definitely world-class level programmers here. And the only thing then missing would be, I guess, redundancies with respect to storage. And my view has always been, all right, well, America knows what's going on anyway, so we can as well just use Amazon Web Services and call <laughs> it a day. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, we do have some bit of the grounds to do this. I, I think, again, the legal aspect of it has to catch up. The legislative aspect of it has to catch up. And then, well, concurrently, I, I assume mm. it should be infrastructure, the server infrastructure, um, the availability of other redundancies, and mm. that companies take redundancy seriously. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Niall because he's going to be one of our guests in this particular block as well. And to talk about that very issue that you mentioned in terms of cybersecurity and how you can legislate against some of the, let's say, the fears and the the worries about um, intellectual property rights and exposure and so forth. So that's that's a really good point you make. And there there are really two sides, two, two, two parallel things happening at the same time, because on one hand, we're talking about making Barbados attractive to remote workers. But on the other hand, a part of facilitating that is making Barbados a more digital economy uh, and making it easier to use on on the whole. So you've mentioned quite a few uh, potential barriers in terms of adopting a fully digital economy, which some are being addressed. And you're right, there's still a lot more conversation to be had at a, I guess, at a a higher institutional level about what can be done to, to provide and to facilitate that digital economy. Um, Whereas the remote stamp is is concerned, um, you mentioned Barbados as a, you said it's a natural progression and I very much agree and it's a very attractive place for remote workers and there's been a lot of interest in the remote working stamp. What do you think um, in terms of Barbados being um, a remote working hotspot, what do you think are the potential barriers there beyond the, 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 let's say, the, the digital infrastructure in terms of Barbados being a remote working hotspot, what might be some? Well, yeah. the majority of the population aren't necessarily ready. I, <laughs> there's a run-in joke of a security they are typically telling you you can't get in a service, or a government workers saying you can't get in a service, which basically means I guess the audience is worried that I'm not serving you right now. So 
the attitude towards service in general yeah. is is to really be considered and can be a major major put off yeah of people coming here it's not to say that we are the worst i, I tell people this as much as i love guyana and i am <laughs> a Guyanese, a vegan Guyanese resident as well. I love Guyana. I, I wish, honestly, sometimes my name was string was buried there. Great, <laughs> great yeah. potential. Yeah. Interesting governance issues, is best to put it. Um, because I know some Guyanese follow me, I'll say interesting. Yeah. But um, <laughs> at the end of the day, Barbados isn't even nearly as bad as what you get there when it comes to different types of service. Yeah. But that's going to be challenge number one. Mm-hmm. Just ensuring that your people buy into the fact that, you know, there are people here now not just on vacation, but they're trying to make a life here. And they're not going to be some offshore banker, well, not to use that phrase, it's not legal anymore in our context, mm-hmm. not some international businessman that has a, 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 a bank here. Um, it's not somebody who is going to set up millions of dollars worth of manufacturing equipment or even a call center for argument's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to have that kind of guy because that guy typically would not be accessible. It's going to be somebody that looks like you and I, perhaps black. You know, typically in our mind, we think the tourist is white. And mm-hmm. there's always traditionally that issue. And this is conjecture because I haven't seen the proof. Mm-hmm. But there's this, it's reputed that, you know, darker tourists are treated differently when, when yeah. they come here simply. I, I don't know what it stems from. Maybe you should have a psychologist on the show to talk about that aspect. That's but, a good idea. <laughs> I but, might consider you know, Yeah, you should, because I, I am not qualified to see what I want to see. Yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, for me, you know, it, it, it could be anybody and the unsus- unsuspecting person. The Silicon Valley type might not be walking around here. The guy who would wear the chair pants and look like he's about to play a guitar at the park and probably get high off of marijuana or something. That's the guy who's coming down here potentially with millions of dollars worth of business and at site, on site, people won't necessarily afford him the same level of service. But service must be service regardless. If money's yeah. going to be exchanged, you don't discriminate. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And even if more money's going to be exchanged, you have less of a reason as far as I'm yeah. concerned to not discriminate as much against that person, just saying. Mm-hmm. So service is going to be one of the major issues. And tied into that is also just tolerance of different cultures altogether. Mm-hmm. So traditionally in Barbados, you know, we know the Brits, we know the Canadians, and everybody knows the Americans. But those aren't the only people who may be attracted to this. Mm-hmm. I, I have the not authority, but the insight to know, for instance, that the Catitian government uh, would have been mm-hmm. hunting is a harsh word to say, but going after, let's say the citizenship by investment business coming out of not just the Middle East. So they're going into the same Dubai or they've been there before we were diplomatically. But they also establish links with Bangladesh. Yeah. Believe it or not, Bangladesh is one of the rising stars in Asia. Mm. A lot of uh, industrial money now is turning over. There's new a new class of wealthy person coming up in Bangladesh yeah. who may seek to protect their wealth. But also there may be someone else or some types of persons who may be seeking Trills are just seeking to travel because they can afford to and still want to be in touch with what's going on in Bangladesh. Yeah. So I don't know many Bajans who know anything about Bangladeshi culture except for the cricket. You might know more know the Indian culture based on just yeah. how the history is of this region, where yeah. Indians have a significant influence and presence in the region, Indian, yeah. Indian descendants. Yeah. But Bangladeshis are a totally different sort of person. 
Um, it goes even further to say that you could expect that kind of um, cultural clash with Middle Eastern persons, for instance. Mm. Uh, it could be also Asians. The fact, for instance, too, that Asians operate in general, and I, I know in England when you say Asian is different mm. to how Americans say I'm saying it like how an American would say Asian, so I'm saying Chinese, yes. Japanese, whatnot. And their own customs and their own and your ability to integrate these persons into mm. society. You have to be more willing and, and more open to different cultures being on the ground or at least tolerant. You might not necessarily have to partake, but tolerance just says that is their thing and I'm not gonna discriminate against them because that is their thing. So it ties into service delivery. Yeah. And then um, tolerance on the theme of tolerance, things to do with sexuality and, and, and whatnot are going to be heavily considered. You, you, you know about the big mistake that was made once the bill the bill to officiate the welcome stamp was pushed to Parliament mm -hmm. and it was a glaring oversight on the part of government uh, which really spoke against homosexual couples and relationships. You know, and in Barbados it's still on the statutes, even though the change was made in that legislation that we, we still have buggery, anti buggery laws. So you might be welcome, but just don't have sex. I'm, I'm just joking, but I'm saying that's how it can come across. Yeah. You know, so that bit is a challenge that they need to clear up very quickly. They need to change the anti-buggery laws. If they haven't done that, I'm not aware that they have. I just am aware that they made a change with respect to the welcome staff. Yeah. You know? So yeah. for me, those are the three major challenges on top of um, energy use. Mm. If it is that the government is expecting, as I heard, around 12,000 people, I don't. My estimates are just a few thousand, mm. for the, if at best, for the first two years. But let's say, for instance, there's a mad rush to Barbados, 12,000 people. That's a significant pressure on the grid, sustained over a longer period of time. Mm. Right? So there's also issues pertaining to water. You know, the availability of water. It's not like when we were in primary school where... You could just leave water running. It's not even nearly that. Barbados is almost like a desert if the rain isn't falling. Mm -hmm. So there are those critical utilities that I think have to be wrapped up as well. And mm -hmm. we, we already spoke about government's issues, but those critical mm -hmm. utilities are what I would figure the fourth uh, most important challenges that mm -hmm. we would have to deal with. Yeah. Sorry for the long answer. No, it's fine. You mentioned quite a few things there. So you mentioned issues of tolerance. You mentioned in terms of the infrastructure and the um, the energy use. You mentioned in terms of um, cultural potential cultural clashes and customer service is always a big one. And I've I've heard um, because I'm in contact with a lot of digital nomads and I'm in a lot of digital nomad groups. And there is a lot of interest around the welcome stamp, but I'm getting a lot of questions around some of those issues. Um, one person was saying that they're quite worried about having angry coffees in Barbados. Um, angry coffees? Angry coffees relating to the customer service. That's that's, oh, that's the word oh, that oh. they use. I don't think, I don't think <laughs> retaliation is a major concern. Yeah, not so much retaliation. I think um, they were worried in terms of the how they were served in terms of the, the, oh, the level oh. of service. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. So, um, and I guess customer service is an issue that a lot of other countries struggle with, but yeah. And um, often, sometimes the danger when you, when we discuss these issues is that um, often persons can believe that you're, you're criticizing Barbados too heavily. Um, one of the things that I've said 
before is um, there is I don't know if you're familiar with the nomad list online but Barbados is oh, yeah. yeah we're already we're already known um, in terms of within the digital nomad community and some of these problems have already been highlighted um, so it's, mm-hmm. it's not anything new that we're stating but you mentioned because even that site also mentions in terms of the um, tolerance um, potential a potential issue there for the tolerance and so forth. And Barbados is definitely changing. We were a very traditional society, but and there is where we're seeing that change. But you're very much right in terms of whether or not um, certain policies align with that as well. But I do think I, I was quite excited to hear about it because um, I do think Barbados has a lot of potential to offer. But you're very much right in terms of the 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 prerequisites need to be there and always. My, my issue with being outspoken about it, because I've been very outspoken on the issue, is that I think it's a great idea, but I think it cannot be a knee-jerk reaction that the work has but, to go in behind that. But that, that's the problem. It came up as a, a reaction to COVID. It wasn't yeah. a case where this was about sustainable planning. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if that were the case, then the issues, there's some issues I had highlighted with respect to tax policy that the government claimed to have shut down, but... They haven't necessarily offered what I consider a conducive response. Mm-hmm. And that's to pertain to the OECS, the mm-hmm. issue of somebody having the residence outside of the country for longer than what's stipulated as it pertains to American law. For instance, you spend more than six months in the States. <laughs> you might not be a resident, but sure as hell got to pay taxes down there. You know, more than 181. In fact, it's more than 181 calendar days in any calendar year. So it could even be split. But once you're stateside for six, just more than six months or so, and it doesn't have to be continuous, you are liable if the IRS wishes to be paying U.S. taxes because it's, yeah. it's seen that you've been using enough of the public services for free. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I saw. So we, we, we have the issue then mm-hmm. of um, that with respect to to us, we might have allowed people to stay for a year without being legal residents. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how does it do, how does it operate on the other side of the equation? How do the Americans recognize this? How do the Canadians recognize this for tax purposes? Yeah. You know, people are saying, yeah, you, 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 you owe taxes back at home, but do they agree with that? Do they find an issue with that? So the fact that that conversation hasn't happened at that level, yeah. I think is a bit of an oversight. Yeah, and it is a conversation that needs to happen because it's not unique to Barbados as well. I know um, within the context of Indonesia, when we did our research there, mm. there was a lot of dissatisfaction among the locals with regards to the tax um, the tax issues and allowances around digital nomads. Some of them mm. believe that digital nomads were given certain allowances that locals weren't given, and there was some tension there. So it's definitely, um, you're right, in terms of a lot of a lot more conversations need to be had about that long-term planning if this is now the route that we want to take and i do think that the potential is there but again that that long-term investment over time needs to follow that especially with regards to building the communities that will attract because that's another question i've gotten as well even today someone tagged me in a nomad group specifically and they said um, how many co-working spaces are within Barbados and where can I yeah. stay and those sort of things? There's co-working spaces, luckily. Regis is here. There's mm-hmm. 10 Habitat. Yeah. And then you, then you can make do with your own synthetic ones. But I, yeah. you see, that's another thing. Like, there's the BIDC. The BIDC has properties that could be easily converted if yeah. the government has the will. 
a lot of properties that people owe lots of rent for. So the BIDC, I'm sure, would be glad to house certain yeah. people, or certain businesses. So like, it, it comes down to ingenuity. But again, it, it, if I'm allowed to say, I, I just figure that the hype has gone. Mm. And yes, persons would say, well, this is a time that you can put your head down and you work, and you work, and you work. And for me, that's fine. You can put your head down and you can work and be focused on the tasks at hand, you know, making sure everything is right. But you need to focus on buy-in from for owners of properties to mm. possibly convert. The same way how you had mm. this level of hype, trans, not transcending, but really it kept its momentum up to the mm. 2007 World Cup. So similarly, but mm. people are being told over and over, this is your responsibility for the country. Nobody knows what their responsibility is right now for the welcome staff. But okay. all of us are talking, so the government has to continue that kind of messaging as far as I'm concerned. And then property owners would mourn and look the say, well, look, well, this person, not saying I want to put anybody out on the street, but, you know, I got a room here, a few rooms here, I can, I can get some of these guys on, I can allow them to co-work here, whatever the case may be. Yeah. But I figure the messaging has gone dry. That's my, my view on the matter. Yeah, I think, especially with regards to the co-working centers, and, and Selwyn's another guest that we've spoken to, he's going to be um, on one of the later episodes. You mentioned 10 Habitat, which I think is a really good... Um, co-working but also entrepreneurial community so you're I, I recommend to the person I recommended 10 Habitat and Regis um, in terms of Regis I think it Regis would um, attract a certain type of digital nomad or remote worker and I think Agreed. one of the conversations that needs to be had around co-working in general and co-working communities is how do you build very diverse types of co-working communities to suit very diverse remote workers because a lot of digital nomads that I've spoken to they typically look for co-working spaces where there are a lot of social activities where they might be near to the beach there might be a restaurant on site a yoga studio on site um, there's a lot of developmental classes happening so there's a lot that helps to integrate the persons that travel so they feel less alone so I think Regis is one type of um, co-working community um, but it will not attract every type of digital nomad certainly a lot of them that I've spoken to okay. so I think um, you're very much right in terms of the ingenuity around the the properties I'd, I'm really looking forward to more of that conversation I'm sure some of those conversations are being had as well okay no, no that's that's fair man but again as I said the messaging has gone dry everybody yeah. knows dealing with more legislative issues. The fact that Parliament Parliament has been suspended somewhat on to September. So like although these decisions don't have to be made at the parliamentary level per se because mm -hmm. it's just PR. Yeah. You know, propaganda if you want to use that term, depending on which side of the fence you sit on. Mm -hmm. uh, for me it's just a case of you know a cabinet making a decision and ministers executing all those decisions. But as a priority, I just think on our side we have to have as much of an interest in what's going on, mm -hmm. uh, what potentially can happen, and that can translate, I believe, at least to incremental improvements in service. Mm -hmm. I, I have lived to see, you've lived to see, we are lucky to be young enough and to be born in this time and still be in the, well, the earlier stages of one's career, mm -hmm. uh, and to see how quickly, with the right motivation, people can change their working habits and beliefs. The fact yeah. that government could institute these plans 
so quickly. I've never seen legislation turn out this quickly. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's I don't know promising. who drafted this 13 page legislation. I've never, <laughs> in fact, I've worked on legislation in the past. Huh? Mm. I've worked on it and there's, there's been all these additional rounds of correspondence. Nah, yeah. This thing went through one time mistakes and all. Yes, yeah. As we discovered. Yeah. And, and that's one. And then the fact, too, that the delivery services in Barbados now widespread. Yeah. Been rolling out delivery services, which should be, you know, advantageous or to the interests of the new co worker, not co worker, new digital nomad who's moving here for a bit. Mm. Uh, you know, and e commerce platforms now are being pushed, but the banks have been slow in making known their to the public yeah. um, their options. But the joke is, is that that depends because, for instance, if we are to consider uh, Ross, Ross Medical University that, was, that is here. And yeah. their students to be of a similar type, might not be as wealthy, but a similar type of profile to the average digital nomad of their young, uh, tech savvy, and you know, one of the other extra features would like a little bit of convenience at the best possible price. Mm. Then it means that at least one bank I know here has facilitated and commerce the point because you could use, uh, what was it again? You could use. Uh, we call this thing on Apple again. I'm forgetting it, and I use it normally. Basically, yeah. Apple Pay. Yeah. You can use Apple yeah. Pay. Mm. You can use Apple Pay um, where most of the Rubis, not Rubis, most of the Ross students live here. Yeah. You can go to the supermarket and use that, and you can use it at Massey, and you have to use, or the company has to use it, RBC's, Royal Bank of Canada's uh, point of sale terminals. Yeah. So that technology is available in Barbados as well, but that was never well advertised. Yeah. I happened to know about it by being malicious one day. Yeah. And then yeah. somebody using it, and I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> so like, yeah. it, 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 the motivation, the, 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 the incumbents here, the institutions here have the ability to act. It's all about getting them the right motivation, however. That's my view. Yeah. I agree, and I, I, we, we haven't mentioned one of the big ones as well, widespread internet right across the island. Um, right now, um, I think in Barbados, we have internet concentrated in mainly in the densely populated areas of, let's say, the our tourist populated areas in terms of the South Coast and the West Coast. Whereas I think um, there, in terms of having digital nomads, you want to be able to work from anywhere across the island and be able to access internet. From, from the middle of the island onwards. And I know there have been, been a lot of conversations around that and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there as well. But I know that's, okay. that's, that's, that's definitely one of the major concerns. So you, you've mentioned a lot there. I think, um, yeah, it is important to kind of, to have these conversations and flesh these concerns out because they're, they're already being spoken about in other communities, in other regions. And for persons who are coming, a lot of people are already asking these questions and already have, have these concerns. But at the same time, Barbados still remains a, a, a very promising option, as you said, and it's, it's very much a natural progression when you think of all that Barbados has to offer as well. So, so what would you say, what are the next steps? You should come back to that. Yes, yes. <laughs> what are the next yeah. steps um, in Barbados's progression and development as a digital nomad hotspot? Honestly, I believe that they that the country should really look at this in a more detailed manner. Let me explain what I mean by that. So we put the welcome call up there, no pun intended. And for me, the first thing is to do public sector reform. And that's something that's been knocking around from the time we were 
at school. I, I, I knew about public sector reform before I even knew where to vote. Yeah. And yet, you know, it's been very slow in coming, but it has to be accelerated. You can't expect to have somebody waiting in corporate affairs say they wanted to, I don't know, register Barbados company as a subsidiary. For some reason, I don't know if it's to, for, for cleaner tax purposes or whatever the case may be. There are people who are awfully creative. I live near the airport, so you go beg me. And that's actually somebody coming your way. Oh, that's really? Pretty no yes, worries, though. Oh, yeah, it's probably to pick up a few welcome stamp people if it's ready. But um, it's sound effects for our podcast. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> but uh, what, what I'm saying. So the the thing is, is that you know, say somebody needs to go to corporate affairs, but I would imagine that you don't want them standing up in the line, and that they could easily just file their annual returns online, yeah. and not have to go down there. And, and, and slog through the long lines because you know what's endemic to Barbados is very long lines yes. and people always say oh is that Beijing's are late but no if you've got the technology even if Beijing's are late let it be that the server crashed that yes. can be fixed that can be fixed as is the case with um, when people have been paying their tax returns for a while the server goes down all right I'll do it tomorrow doesn't take long to do what I have to do Blah. you know mm. so um, that's the first thing, public sector reform. I'm not saying that the private sector doesn't have its role, but the crux, I, I think what really markets our economy is the ability to, for government to govern, the ability for people to feel safe. And that's not the private sector's responsibility. Mm. Safe and convenience is really at heart the government's responsibility first and foremost, and then the private sector piggybacks off that. Mm. So the private sector can do its bit with respect to training. I will say that I've seen evidence of people being a little more aware of how to utilize technology. I've never seen such a big uptake yet. So that makes me feel even prouder or of the possibility of customer service being, mm -hmm. if it's once pushed as you know, a priority in the way that technology, technology or technological inclusion mm -hmm. was pushed a few months ago in the height of the pandemic, then you know, I believe that people might see the call to action to do more as being more important to them, or let's say that their jobs typically do depend on it. Because I honestly believe mm. that the issue has been in our culture that people don't see the linkage between how do I get paid mm. and my level of customer service. Yeah, People always see the, the company being paid as a separate and distinct function from their own role. And I always think that's yeah. an unfortunate thing in our yeah. culture, Yeah, right? So, the, if the motivation is there, I honestly believe people can be motivated in terms of um, delivering better customer service. I believe, too, that the telecommunications companies, if they're motivated as well, should probably do a, a greater rollout of bandwidth. Now, yes, we've got connectivity throughout the island, but it's not consistent. Yeah. Who's to say that? And I already heard a story of a young couple. Um, it, it was on a show. These guys were expats uh, in their mid 30s, mm -hmm. and they were looking to rent somewhere on the west coast for 2,000 Barbados a month and two bedrooms. And, and on top of the fact that that's only strange as hell to me, right? Because mm -hmm. I don't know where you can find, even in Sunset Crest with those little houses, you know, I don't know where you can find a wall house, for instance, or what we would refer to as a wall house and not a boarded house that you can get two bedrooms, two bathrooms, and you know, two thousand Barbados dollars a month, one thousand US. So, yeah. like, let's say that 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 
in an ideal scenario, they decided, all right, let's live somewhere more central or more so in the east, where uh, rental costs should be, in theory, lower, especially if you're not near the beach. Okay. So the problem, however, is that there's a trade-off. They won't be able to do their work as successfully. And if you're budgeting just $2,000 in rent in Barbados, you sure as hell don't want to pay gas prices. And our bus transportation system, yeah, it has improved. I'm seeing a lot more buses on the road. There's white buses now, Portia. Yeah. Believe it or not, yeah. there are white buses. There are white I'm looking buses. forward to seeing them. I haven't seen there, them. They just look like the old Johnston, um, Johnston uh, carriages that they had yeah. sometime, porches that they had, but a smaller version. But nonetheless, like that's improved somewhat. Garbage collections improved somewhat. I'm saying that that should be better maintained as a priority. I'm also saying that we should probably look at our energy sustainability a lot more seriously. Now, if you're going to attract a millennial or even there might be some Generation Z guys down there doing some major work. All I know, because Generation Z should now be turning like 21, 22, thereabouts, 23. So, and these guys are a little more environmentally conscious and yeah. they come to an island where everybody just burns fuel. Yes, we have the highest incidence per capita of electric vehicles in the world, but, mm -hmm. but in a small country, that's probably what 100 people is so much. It's not necessarily overwhelming or encouraging. And as part of that, then the policy that government has, our government has to make Barbados energy sustainable and sufficient place, self-sufficient place by 2030 has to be pushed forward and the agenda wants more, even if it means contravening or upsetting our local utility in mirror yeah. here, right? So yeah. that has to happen and that helps us to be sustainable on the back end. We cut foreign exchange leakage and we grow foreign exchange by having more and more of these persons choosing to work here. Of yeah. course, then uh, another thing which is a bit more transient is the whole incidence of observing social distancing and what that has meant. Entertainment has been somewhat challenged, especially mm -hmm. if it's a certain type of entertainment. I won't go as far as to say what I mean, but a certain type or class of entertainment, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, that's been challenged and the COVID-19 group or authority, if we could call them that, have been actively shutting down these things. And what I do know is that digital nomads are young and want to go somewhere and they want to see active lifestyle, active nightlife, especially mm -hmm. if they're not coming family. You, you, you cannot have Barbados as quiet as it is right now with a welcome stamp. So there must be a compromise and it then means that the private sector has to prioritize Although I can say that establishments, large establishments have been doing so. Everybody has to establish social yeah. distancing protocols very seriously. Yeah. yeah so, you, I, sorry. Go ahead, sorry. No, you told me, well, three, right? <laughs> I guess that was three. I almost lost them. That was amazing. You gave such, you gave so many points there, food for thought and, and really relevant points. And just, you really emphasized the need to have an overall long-term plan that involves the partnership of different um, sectors and different areas of society. And mm -hmm. one of the things I keep saying is with regards to that, having that public and private sector partnership, but also having um, some sort of rollout plan to help make the, let's say the larger population aware of the impact mm -hmm. of introducing these measures and introducing the welcome stamp. Because I, I think a lot of people um, in terms of the welcome stamp. They've heard about it being introduced. They see it as an interesting idea. They get that it's bringing tourism in, 
but I don't think sometimes like a lot of the other issues around that or the, the impact around that has been fully considered. So I think in making the population more aware of their role as well, beyond just be, not, not just good customer service, but actually beyond interacting, beyond, uh, sorry, with regards to the digital skills, the internet, making the internet more available in their establishments um, has a lot to do with it. So I do think I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about the, the interaction between the different institutions, the public, the private sector, but also their interaction with the general public as to what can be done. So thank you so much. That is so much food for thought. We're just out of time now. Um, so I thank you for all of the information that you shared. And of course, you cannot get away without sharing your interesting travel story <laughs> with our right. Yeah, man. Um, so I didn't have a funny one. I don't know if it was funny. It depends on who's listening. <laughs> so I once traveled from New Zealand ill. I had no idea what it was that I had. Later on, once I returned to Barbados, I figured out it was a very nasty bacterial infection. Yeah. And I traveled to Singapore, stayed in Singapore for two weeks for this thing. But I kid you not, I can remember leaving Singapore and I went on to Tokyo to spend a week in Tokyo. And once I was traveling, I honestly thought I was sleeping for the entire trip, but I actually passed out <laughs> because of the ear pressure on oh, the flight. Wow. I passed out, yeah, I passed out. I woke up over Tokyo. Like just managed to catch consciousness once it came down, once the plane actually came down below a certain altitude. I don't know which one it is, but I actually felt life come back to me then. So it was, that was a strange vacation, man. Um, it wasn't a vacation. It actually was part of a speaking tour slash study travel that I had, study and travel that I had. So I did some speeches though in New Zealand. I did some in Singapore. I did some in Tokyo yeah. as well and ended up in Silicon Valley, which to this day is the best trip I've ever had in terms of- It sounds uh, amazing. No, it was a lot of knowledge. I, as I tell yeah. people, I value knowledge above all. Yeah. Even sometimes my own health, which is bad, but <laughs> I value knowledge for some reason is the main thing I value in life. Yeah. So the fact that I got to see four diverse cultures in a short span of time, made me understand how insignificant yet important my own culture is to me. You yeah. know, there's space for all of us and all, all of our lifestyles. So yeah. it makes more sense being in, in, intolerant, right? Yeah. Uh, you yeah. just have to know your lane, know what you are going to do and not place any expectations on someone else who had a very different circumstance. But, you know, if I don't know if my blood pressure might have risen or something as time went on, but let's say if I did not wake up between Singapore and Japan, yeah. I would not have gotten to appreciate that lesson, I must say. Wow, wow, that's really interesting. And I always see that as, as the value of traveling. Just, it really expands your perspective on things that you consider to be held truths and, and held norms. Um, traveling really challenges and pushes that against that. And I know I've had that as well. Moving it to also makes me not trust governments right now with COVID because I, I don't know how I managed to creep through three countries with a fairly nasty bacterial infection. My nose was leaking a lot. Huh? I'm quite sure my nose is leaking. Oh, no, yeah, no I do not find my mask. <laughs> Keep wearing your mask. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And actually, another funny one is Texas. I was flying from Britain to Texas once, and a guy behind me kept on coughing. And I remember saying to myself, as the flight was taking off, this guy's going to make me sick, you know. And I wish I had a mask then. 
Yeah. I spent my entire New Year's Eve in Texas sick as a dog. I couldn't even celebrate oh. New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve. My entire stint of my vacation in Texas, knocked out. Oh, knocked out. That one guy coughing like nobody's business, hacking up. And that that's why I started wearing masks before COVID on, on flights. Yeah, I don't think at all. Because it works to be sick on holiday. I had that um, when I went from, it was because of the flu jab. I took a flu jab to, to avoid mm. being sick in Trinidad. And then I got a really bad chest infection and was sick all, mm. years, all the years. Not pleasant. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're okay now. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, we're 45 minutes on the dot, which is cool because you offered so much information that it's no surprise we've gone beyond 35. So thank you so much for that. And I think we can really benefit from that. So thank you to our listeners as well for joining us on Remotely Speaking. This is episode six with Jeremy, Jeremy Stevens, economist. Stephen, I always call you Stevens. I apologize in advance. <laughs> you would not have been engaging if you didn't. Let's I put tell it you. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us, Jeremy. And Jeremy's spoken to us again about the potential for Caribbean countries, particularly with a focus on Barbados, becoming digital nomad hotspots. So thank you and join us for episode seven, where we continue the conversation about how countries can enable and facilitate remote working and attract remote workers to that location as well. So take care for now. Thank you to our listens, listeners and thank you to you, Jeremy, as well. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our podcast series. To find out more, follow us at Remotely Speaking Up on Instagram or go to www.crowdpotential.co.uk for our services. Until next time.